And we've been talking about this phrase, empowered, and the empowerment of Jesus in our life. And so I want to begin this morning with four reflection questions. I'm going to name all four individually. Then at the end, there's going to be a slide that has all four of them on it. I want to encourage you either to write it down or to take a picture of it, okay? I took a picture of it at the first service, so I'm going to have it on my phone so I can look at this week. I'm asking that you would all do that because it's going to be important for your small groups if you're in one. And if you're not in a small group, it's even more important for you so that you can be on the same page as the rest of the vintage family this week. And I want you to hear me say, if you're saying, well, I'm not sure I'm part of the vintage family. We're simply the church of God and the people of God and the family of God. So you're part of our family. Okay. And so when you're, you're here because God has you here. So I'm asking you in humility to please take a picture of this and ask Jesus these questions this week. We all on board. I'm not trying to be rude. I just need you to take a picture because these are life altering questions that I believe God has given for this morning for everyone who's come. Here's question number one. You have to self-reflect with Jesus. Are you comfortable with the expression of your Christian faith on a daily basis? Are you comfortable with the expression of your Christian faith on a daily basis? Now, let me just recognize this. Now, listen, all the questions are going to be in one slide at the end if you weren't paying attention, okay? Shame on you. You can take all the pictures at one time, okay? Just all, all four of them be up there. Now, here's, so here's the thing. I want you to recognize I'm asking questions, and if you automatically go, oh, I'm terrible, then you're not hearing Jesus. I'm not asking any questions to shame you. I'm not asking any questions to condemn you. Here's, a que- here's what I'm asking. How many of you have felt like this, like, Mm, like angst inside of you, like a like a, a, a dissatisfaction with where you are in life, ever in your life, like a dissatisfaction, like an angst, like a this tension you can't name that you want that you want something more in life, right? That you want something more of Jesus. Like you you walk with this dissatisfaction. It's like you can't put your finger on it, you can't name it, but you Feel it with the very core of your being. How many of you have felt that before ever in your life? Okay, hopefully all of you. If not, mm, 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 no. But seriously, all have this tension that happens in our life, right? And so let's just say, Stacy, I'm going to use you as my, as my example this morning. So Stacy, she comes to my office. And she names this angst. She names this tension. She names this holy dissatisfaction in her life, okay? These are the questions that I'm going to look at Stacy and I'm going to say, well, let's answer these because these are questions that begin to help get to the core of what God is stirring and doing inside of it. So there's no condemnation. There's no guilt inside of it. It's just simply being honest. And how many of you know that there's no better place to start with God than by being honest, Right. It's like there's no better, there's no there's no other place to start in our conversation with God than being honest. So here we go. Number one, are you comfortable with the expression of your Christian faith on a daily basis? Number two, Stacy, are you satisfied with the level of expression of God's power in your daily life? Are you satisfied with? The, she shook her head. No, praise God. Right. Number three, are you comfortable? ministering to the needier, those that are in need in your life, in the form Jesus and his disciples expressed. 
You're like, what's the form? We're going to talk about that this morning, okay? But are you comfortable ministering to those who are in need in the form Jesus and his disciples express? Number four, are you confident that the purpose that defined Jesus' life on earth also defines yours, your life? So put them all up there. Here's the picture time, right? Here are all the questions. Are you comfortable expressing your Christian faith? Are you satisfied with the level of expression of God's power? Are you comfortable ministering to the needy in the form of Jesus? And are you confident that the purpose that defines Jesus' life on earth also defines your life? You see, there's no greater discipline in life than the discipline of self-reflection. That you actually sit down and are honest about where you are in life. And are you satisfied? And then the bigger question is, do you think Jesus is satisfied? These are questions to help you. Like, to be honest with you, these should should be questions you ask yourself for the rest of your life. These are self-reflection questions that we ask to let God speak into. So we're talking about being empowered, right? We're talking about being empowered. And we're talking about being empowered for one very, very simple reason. We believe people still need Jesus. And we believe Jesus empowers his church to bring Jesus to them. So in life, we believe that we're empowered for one simple reason. There are people in need today. And Jesus wants to empower us, his church, to meet their needs. Listen, there's actually no other reason why you exist, to be honest. In an overarching sense, Jesus didn't bring you to earth to make a lot of money. He didn't actually bring you here to have a bunch of children. He didn't bring you here to live frustrated with with your life. He brought you here because there are needy people who are in need of Jesus, and he wants to empower you to bring Jesus to them. And so if you've lived your life for the past several years, self-focused, self-absorbed, overwhelmed with your own issues, that's not why God created you. You should be living with angst and tension. Because what he created you for is to look beyond yourself to meet the needs of those who need Jesus, to empower you to bring Jesus to them. So that's why we've been empowered. And so... The vital piece that we have to look at this morning that I want to, to state and then build off of is this. The way, the way in which Jesus and his disciples are empowered is the way in which we are empowered today. I'll say that again. The way and the style and the form in which Jesus and his disciples are empowered or were empowered is the same way in which we are to be empowered today. Jesus' ministry and his disciples' ministry had a form, a structure. You could take a picture of it and teach on it. There was a, something specific, very specific about it. It had a form, and it had an ultimate purpose. So let's look at Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 31, going to verse 44 this morning. And I want you to begin to see this form. I want you to begin to see this form expressed in the life of Jesus. So it says this. He, Jesus, went down to Capernaum. you got to recognize, Jesus, this is the beginning of his ministry. This is the beginning of his ministry. He hasn't done ministry, and now he's doing it, okay? So he went to, to, a, to down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And this, this is important. And they were astonished at his teaching. For his word, his teaching, possessed 
authority, meaning nobody, nobody else's teaching up to this point had had authority behind it. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice. Don't let the word demon scare you. There were demons before Jesus' time. There were demons during Jesus' time. There were demons after Jesus' time. And there are demons here today, and there'll be demons here tomorrow. They just live among us. And they cried out with a loud voice, Ha! That's pretty funny. Huh. What have you to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth. That's the English standard version. Huh. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Can you see the sarcasm? But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him, thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him having done him no harm. So casting out of a demon. And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him went out to every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her, rebuked the fever. It left her and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had, who had any, uh, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of every uh, out of many crying, "You are the Son of God!" But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. And if you've read any parts of Scripture, you know Jesus was not quite ready for everyone to know who he was yet for, some, for, for his divine reasons, divine purposes. So the first part we must see in this, but the form of Jesus' empowerment is this. His empowerment comes from the Spirit of God, not from self. So if you look at this, Jesus is starting ministry, but you can't you put the story in context. At the end of chapter 3... Jesus, or in chapter 3, Jesus, who's done no miracles, right, has done no signs and wonders, hasn't healed anybody, hasn't cast any demons, he goes down to the Jordan River to see his cousin, John, the Baptist. And Jesus says, you need to baptize me. And John realizes, oh my gosh, you're him, right? And so they have this little conversation, and then he gets down and gets baptized. He comes up out of the water. Jesus does. And it says the Spirit of God descended on him in the form of a dove. And then there's like this long writing with different names. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says then, Luke, you've got you to hear this. Luke speaks and says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So we hear no mention of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. Then he descends upon him. And then the Holy Spirit then leads him into the desert, into the wilderness. And then verse 14 says, and this is important, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and he began to teach in the synagogues. This is really important. Now, we know theologically the Holy Spirit resided in Jesus from the time of birth. It's what empowered him to live a sinless life. But something happens. Something happens at the baptism. When the Holy Spirit, this is really important for us theologically to understand and practically speaking in your life. Something happened of empowering in the moment at the baptism of Jesus that Luke 
feels compelled as a great, as a wise man, as a, as a physician who's writing this story, he feels compelled to say, I look back and realize something happened in that moment. And I realize in chapter 4, verse 1, I have to say to all the readers, Jesus was now with the Holy Spirit and empowered and was led by him into the desert. And we would then say that because he was empowered, he was then empowered in the desert to go 40 days without eating, right? Fast for 40 days, withstands the onslaught of the enemies. So there's now power to the Holy Spirit over, over the sin, right? This temptation. And then Luke feels compelled in verse 14 to say, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. How many of you know Jesus was a human being? Like, I I just wonder if Jesus was sitting here today would say, you know what, him as a human being, there's no way I could have made it back. I mean, I hadn't eaten 40 days and I just hung out with Satan for 40 days. Awesome time, right? No, it's like it was overwhelming. Yeah, if if without the power of the Holy Spirit empowering me in my life, I would not have been able to make it back into Jerusalem to come teach in the synagogues. Jesus returned, Luke says, in the power of the Spirit. And then Jesus comes down in verse 18 and says, Behold, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me, To proclaim freedom for captives, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's as if Jesus is saying, now listen, the Holy Spirit's always been in me, but there's just been this moment in my life of this empowering that Luke is naming and very intentionally naming and continues to do so all the way through his first book, Luke, and then in his second book, Acts. There's something imperative for Luke of naming the Holy Spirit as the one who empowered Jesus because in his human strength, he couldn't have done anything and he would have had compassion fatigue. Right. He needed the power of the Holy Spirit to to move him, to shape him, to change him, to grow him. He grew in wisdom and stature, Scripture tells us. There's this growth, this empowering in the moment that we see in Jesus. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. Luke seemingly is very intentional in naming that. Our takeaway here is really simple. Our empowerment comes from the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to be a good spouse because you will be crappy without him. You need the Holy Spirit to empower you to be a good parent because you'll be terrible without him. Try, how many of you ever tried to parent in your own strength? You fail. I mean, how many times I had to sit down and say, Jesus, I need to see behind the curtain of what was going on in my child's life because without seeing it, I can't parent. I need to know what you know and see what you see and think what you think so I can parent in the power of the Spirit of God. I mean, you can read books. That's important. Spend more time in prayer, not just praying that God would change them, but that God would awaken you to what he's trying to do in them. So we need his Holy Spirit to empower us in all the things that we are doing. Second part of see about form of Jesus' empowerment. It must include what we define as the supernatural. 
which for Jesus is simply his natural. It must include what we define as the supernatural, which for Jesus is simply his natural. So Luke, again, has intentionally named the Holy Spirit as the source of Jesus' power. And it, honestly, it's really important for us to see this strictly in a literary sense. In a literary sense. Like, in this story, Luke goes to, very intentionally, he goes to these, 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 these lengths to really name the work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life. He names it several times. How many of you know in theological world, your professor at seminary will tell you, if you see a word several times in one sitting, then that's probably really important. You need to figure out why it's there. So in a literary sense, Luke is naming the work of the Holy Spirit, leading Jesus. That's pretty important, empowering Jesus. And Jesus, hey, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me now, right? It's crazy stuff. So in a literary sense, it's really important to figure out what comes after that. Why? Because if I'm sitting here reading a story, and this person says, and reading it, And today I woke up and the sun was shining and birds were chirping. It was a great day. I woke up on the right side of the bed and I knew this was going to be a day of great beauty and of great breakthrough until Bob opened the door. And then what do I know? Everything after that about how lame Bob is and how he ruined everything. Right? It's called foreshadowing. And so what we see here in Luke is there's foreshadowing. Luke's really intentional saying, I want you to see Jesus was empowered by the Spirit of God. He was empowered. You just see that. So then what is going to come after then is going to see what his life looks like, his form will look like, actually empowered by the Spirit. So what do you see happening? Verse 32, Jesus expressed power by teaching with authority. You have to see this in verse 32. It says this. It says, and they were, so Jesus came teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his words possessed authority. Like, how many of you ever sat in a church service, and a guy preached, and you knew it was only here? How many times you've heard someone speak, and when they spoke, it was as if God was taking their heart and just squeezing himself out of them? Like someone has authority when they speak versus someone who doesn't. You know what it looks like. You know what it feels like. You know what it sounds like. And they're sitting here going, the teachers of the law come and teach us all day long. And it just is from here. And we know it because we know the difference. We didn't know the difference until we found someone, Jesus, who's proclaiming the gospel, the good news, with such authority that my heart begins to stir and something inside of me becomes alive. And all I want to do is hear more. He's proclaiming, the, he's proclaiming with authority the good news. Second thing, verse 33, 35, Jesus expressed his power by casting out a demon. Like, you, you know that happens today, right? I mean, I've told you stories. I mean, literally, I've had this guy, I'll never forget, he was walking down a street, and he came over, we were doing some ministry, and, and he's like, this, like, railing on me, railing on me, railing on me, and I look at him, and he make eye contact, and he, like, like this, and turn and sort of walking away, so I tracked him down. I went after him, I said, and he was like, what, he's longer and taller than me, I said, in Jesus' name, I command you to stop. And he goes, literally like this, and froze. 
And I got in his face and he goes, how did you do that? I said, Jesus, <laughs> right? It's like there's this thing stirring inside of him, something opposed to the will of God. Jesus casting out a demon. 38 and 39, Jesus expressed his power by healing Peter's mother-in-law. He walks in the house. She's sick with a fever. Very, very scary and dangerous in that day and age, right? When there's no antibiotics, there's nothing else, right? Like, maybe she's going to die. And Jesus says, can you do something? We appeal to you. And Jesus walks in, looks over and says, bam, out. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, my gosh, it's gone. I'm so glad you're here. Let me serve you. That's what happens. Jesus heals Peter, mother, Peter's mother-in-law. And then in verse 40 and 41, Jesus expressed his power by healing and casting demons out of a bunch of people. This is the form of Jesus' ministry. Supernatural is a primary part. It must include our form. Jesus' Jesus's form of empowerment included what we define as a supernatural but for Jesus it, was, Jesus, it was just as natural. How come we call things that are supernatural in Christ like weird? We do that all the time. It makes us uncomfortable. And Jesus did it. So why does it make us uncomfortable? Why do demons make us uncomfortable? Seriously. Why do you think at Halloween the enemy likes to present himself, right, in these movies that we're seeing that, pro- that produces fear, because he knows if you can make him fear him and think and make you think he's bigger than he really is, you'll be afraid of him and not deal with him. Seriously, stop going to those movies. It's the enemy trying to steal from you the understanding of your power over him. I mean, if you want to go instead of and cast the demon out of that movie, you can try that too if you want to. I don't care. But seriously, why do we fear things that are created? And when the creator lives inside of us, why do we think it's weird to talk about them when Jesus, the primary miracle he did, was cast out demons? I've seen it happen again and again and again. I mean, someone sat in my office, this woman speaking like a man. I'm going to kill you. It's like, no, you're not going to kill me. I'm Jesus' favorite kid. You're not going to touch me. Get out. Boom, he was. This happens. It still happens. The form, supernatural, is Jesus' natural. We can't miss or dismiss the form of Jesus' empowerment and his ministry of power. You cannot miss and dismiss the form of Jesus' empowerment. He healed. He cast out demons. He proclaimed with authority the gospel. He did the working of miracles. This was his form. I was talking to Michael Mosley. A lot of you know Michael Mosley. He was a missionary in Ghana for over 10 years. He now works in a ministry called Catalyst for Africa. He started that primarily does leadership development for these indigenous African pastors. And so he and I were doing lunch this week, and we were kind of talking through some things that God was doing. And he said, you know, Steve, he said, I'll never forget a couple of years ago, I sat in a leadership conference in Africa with a... a a large group of African pastors and African leaders. And he said, and I started out my conversation by this. He had a question. He says, how many of you, how many of you in ministry have experienced the supernatural in the area of healing, miracles, and the casting out of demons? He said, Steve, immediately, every hand went up. Every single one of them. And he said, okay, I just wanted to know who I was working with today, right? He looked at me and he said, what would happen if I sat 
at a leadership conference of American pastors and ask them the same question. Just one out of three, maybe. Maybe just one of the three of casting out demons, working in miracles, or the gift of healing. And I'll tell you the answer. It would not be very many hands going up. It would not be. And they could tell you some great services that they had done. They could tell you the fog machine they put in, right? They could tell you about the smart lights they put in. They could tell you about pro presenters they created. They could tell you all about the services they were doing. They could tell you all about the money coming in, people sitting in their chairs. But they could not tell you the stories of the form of Jesus' empowerment being expressed in and through their lives. Our takeaway is simple. We must become as comfortable pursuing the supernatural and expressing in our lives as we do the natural things that God calls us to do. We must become just as comfortable pursuing the supernatural and expressing in our lives as we do the natural things that God calls us to do. Listen, we believe in caring for Syrian refugees. Guess what? I don't need Jesus to do that. I really don't. I can write a check without Jesus' help. I can even care for orphans and widows. I can bring orphans and widows into my home, never needing Jesus to help me. You know what I did? Make a phone call. Hey, I will do foster care and bring them into my home and never need Jesus to do that. I really don't. To, to feed a widow, I don't need anybody's help to do that. I just go get a piece of bread and I hand it to her. I don't need Jesus to do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't need Jesus to do those things. But to lay hands on the sick person and see them raise up, to watch a leg grow, to see eyes open, to see someone who is mentally crushed, to see them set free, that requires Jesus. And so I have to become just as comfortable pursuing the supernatural form of Jesus as I do his natural form. And both of them are comfortable for me. Why? Because when I see into the spirit realm and I see where Jesus lives, where all things are possible, then my, my vision is not bound by the temporal. It's only exploded by the supernatural of who Jesus is. He's creator God. He recreates. He moves in power. It's who he is. I don't want to limit him. Our takeaway, I've already said it. Comfortable pursuing the supernatural as the natural. So we must embrace the form. But embracing the form of Jesus, it's really imperative that I know what Jesus' purpose is and that it is my purpose. That his purpose defines my existence. His purpose for life defines my life. That I don't, listen, I'm so tired, to be honest with you. This is like behind the curtain. I'm so tired of people going, oh, Steve, what is my purpose in life? Oh, what is my purpose in life? Like, what you really mean is, like, I want to know what I'm supposed to do. But the purpose is really simple. There are needy people. Jesus empowered you to give Jesus to needy people. That's it. I don't care if you're a, I don't care what you do. And to be honest with you, to be honest with you, hear this. Jesus doesn't really care what you do. As long as when you're doing it, you're doing it to know Jesus to recognize the needy and give Jesus to them. That's all that matters. So if you're freaking out about purpose in life, stop. Because purpose is defined very clearly by Jesus and his purpose in life. Verse 43, 
Read it on the screen with me. It says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Do you see what he's getting at? He's saying, I have been sent. My purpose is clear. I am to proclaim the gospel everywhere that I go. And I'm never supposed to get stuck in one place. But every place that I go every day of my life is the ministry of God to bring purpose and to show his purpose and to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus. The word for power that we've been focusing on is the word in Greek called dunamis, where we get the word dynamite, right? We've named it over the last several weeks. It has a very, it's a very specific word which refers to the power of God for the purposes of God. It refers to the power of God for the purpose of God, right? It's not about power for our own personal gain, like Simon the Sorcerer, right? Not to do like magic tricks for people, right? It is to do, is to have power to do God's purposes. It's power to do God's stuff. It's power to do, and fulfill God's ministry those who are needy in need of Jesus right that's what he empowers us for and so what Jesus is basically saying in all of this and I'm paraphrasing kind of putting my own words is this I have the supernatural power of God's spirit on me he says I must express it but I must recognize I have it for one purpose to do ministry for God is your life Defined by God's ministry. Do you wake up every day with the purposes of God defining your thoughts and your actions? Do you wake up every day to think about every person in your life as someone that you can be Jesus to and how to be Jesus to them? Do you wake up every day to think about how you can enjoy God and his presence and everything that you're doing so that you can go and express his love to people? Are you waking up every day to receive the fullness of God's love so you actually have something of his love to give away because you can't give something away that you have not received in fullness why do you wake up what's the first thought that enters into your mind does fear enter into your mind does worry and anxiety enter into your mind or do you wake up into the loving arms of jesus who wants to give himself fully so that you can fully give yourself away to those that are in need so we see the form and the purpose here Our takeaway is simple. Our lives must be defined by the ministry of God. We express the natural power of God, the supernatural power of God, as we are submitted to the purposes of God. We saw this in the life of Philip, and I'm just going to briefly look at his life so you can see it. You see it in the life of Jesus, but it's imperative to recognize we also see it in in the lives of his disciples as a model for you, as a model for you. In Acts chapter 8, we saw Philip, verses 5 and 8. I want you to see these three parts. He proclaims that Jesus proclaimed the gospel, he healed the sick, and he cast out demons, okay? Philip went, he left, right, he left Jerusalem because Stephen got murdered. Everyone's kind of dispersing everyone all over the place. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he proclaimed to them the Christ. He shared the gospel. Check off, form of Jesus, all right? Form of Jesus. He went and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him. And they saw the signs that he did. What were the signs? See, well, verse 7 says, For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. He cast out demons. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. He went and prayed in Jesus' name and people were healed. And then, verse 8 There was the fruit of joy. 
So there was much joy in that city. You see the gifts of God being expressed and then the outgrowth of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? When the Holy Spirit came, breakthrough and joy, right? I love that. And so what you see in Philip as simply a disciple of Jesus, he went in the form of Jesus and the purpose of Jesus to find his existence. He just watched his good buddy get murdered. He leaves town. Who knows what he took with him, but he goes into town. He says, my buddy just got murdered. I could be fearing for my life. It's wild dispersed. Life is horrible, but I'm defined by the purpose of God. So I will share the gospel even in light of my weaknesses, in light of my struggles, in light of my hardships. I'm defined by the purpose of God. I'm defined by his form. So I will share the good news of Jesus. I will Bless those who are desperately in need, both in the spiritual sense and in a physical sense. And then we will watch the spirit of God and the fruit of his spirit be released. I don't know about you, but if you did that in your neighborhood, did it in your cul-de-sac, did that in your job, and this became your purpose, in the end of the year, revival would break out wherever you do this. It would happen. It would happen in the form of Jesus. And so I ask you again. Well, actually, let me come back to this. Bill Johnson, I thought, had a great quote in light of all of this. He says, when the high marks of the Christian life are things that are humanly possible, then we have begun to backslide. Read that again. When the high marks of our Christian life are things that are humanly possible, then at that point, we have begun to backslide. Because all we're doing is telling our story of what we can do in our own strength. And the form of Jesus is a life empowered by the Holy Spirit for the purposes of God for things that we cannot do in our own strength. So I ask you again, with no condemnation, with no guilt, an honest self-reflection before the Father. Are you comfortable with the expression of your Christian faith on a daily basis? Are you satisfied with the level of expression of God's power in your daily life? Are you comfortable ministering to the needy in the form Jesus and his disciples expressed, both supernatural and natural? And four, are you confident the purpose that defined Jesus' life on earth also defines your life? Let's pray. Jesus, we're asking for movement this morning and breakthrough. We're asking Jesus.